All right, welcome to Lavasa Sports. I'm Mirai Hosea. I'm Lance Falichongo. And here we look at sports through a South Pacific lens. I'm all about sweating the technique. I'm more about the data. Today's show, as always, sponsored by LavasaIslandApparel.com. For gear that represents the South Pacific Island languages and cultures accurately and responsibly. Put on for the culture. Catch the wave at LavasaIslandApparel.com. And our guest today is Reina Ale, a sports and media host writer and producer. She's a former D1 basketball standout at San Francisco University, started at guard for the American Samoa National Basketball Team in the South Pacific Games. She's the founder of Locked In, which helps 98% of college athletes prepare for their biggest challenge yet, life after college sports. Raina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We're so excited to have you on and, and to be able to talk with you and get your firsthand experience and your knowledge um, of some really big accomplishments that you've done. Uh, we want to start off by like giving you the opportunity to just uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, wow. It's, it's so funny. I'm never, I'm not used to being on the other side of being interviewed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm Raina. I, um, I'm from Carson, California. Um, I started, I, I, my background really is around basketball. I started playing at seven years old. Um, in Carson for the, for the different parks, um, park leagues. And my dad was my first coach. Um, and, you know, I think at a very young age, that's when I developed my love for basketball. Um, I knew that I really wanted to go further. I mean, my dream was to be in the WNBA. Um, but you know, like I obviously had a different path through basketball, but I'm thankful regardless. Um, went to Bishop Montgomery for high school, um, had a pretty successful high school career, was fortunate enough to play with my sisters my senior year, so that was fun. Um, all three of us were on the court at uh, the same time. Um, and then received a full scholarship to play for the University of San Francisco. So, um, you know, overall, I identified with basketball for a while. Um, and like moving on from that was kind of tough, but I still play here and there. It's just, it's just not the same. <laughs> so. Yo, you played in the Drew League. Yeah, I did. I think I might what? still play this, this, yeah. this is my last year. I, I don't, I mean, we're supposed to play again this year. Um, kind of working through like finding a place to play, but um, I want to play again. So yeah, <laughs> see how it goes. She's a baller. <laughs> oh, she really is. It's hard. Okay, so even the girls playing now are just like super tough so it's hard to keep up I'm, I'm not I'm not as young as I used to be <laughs> <laughs> quick quick question about growing up in Carson California you play for the parks uh which park were you closest to like what was your home park my home park would be Scott Park Scott. Um, Ooh. yeah so but my first ever when I first played I remember my dad we were at Veterans Park Nice. And then after that was just like one and done. I never played for vets again. Um, I think it was, they had the gym at the time. I think it was only veterans and Stevenson that had a gym. Um, so, but yeah, Scott Park, I played there for a few years. That's, that's my park. <laughs> Wait, hold up. So I don't know Scott? how basketball culture goes in Southern California, but like every park got their own squad or something like so that represents I that hood or whatever was going on. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, okay. So if you grew up in Carson, I feel like, um the parks were really i mean i guess it depends on the sports too but i know that they're probably oh god i don't even know how many parks seven or eight parks in carson i think Ton, yeah um, oh, yeah around that 
Um, yeah. And it's like around like your neighborhood or whatever that you grew up in. Now my my home park where I grew up is in next to Carson Park, but um, Scott Park holds a lot of tradition within my family. Like my mom used to work there um, in high school. Um, you know, my auntie worked there as well. Um, so Scott Park and, and my, my mom's side of the family grew up in that area too. So that's just kind of like where we were grounded. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like in Carson, depending on like the area you grew up in, that's usually kind of the park that you identified and you played for. So. Yeah. Man, yeah so the parks are kind of like different. It's outside of school. So it's like t-ball, basketball, flag football. I think yeah. soccer. Yeah, I got ran in soccer a bunch. Callus Park, down Callis. by the Toyota dealership. What's up, two twenty third? Two twenty third. That's 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 cool. That's a cool culture around sports growing up. That's I didn't know that. Yeah, and I then AAU. A lot of, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And then you also played AAU. I did. I did. I played um, for Cal Sparks. I started with playing uh, with a team called the South Bay Waves. Um, there's a lot of girls from like uh, South Bay, like uh, Redondo, Bishop Montgomery, Maricosta, like we all in that area. But that team uh, kind of shut down. And then I played the majority of my AU career with um, Cal Sparks. And they're still a program now, actually. And I think they're one of the top programs right now still, too. And going, what was the like, recruitment process for college like how did you get to san francisco university did you have to like i remember hearing you had to like send out dvds and to to coaches and hope like just a whole game was enough that they liked it or something or, yeah well so it's changed uh, definitely i mean I, I i mean youtube wasn't like a thing and like i couldn't editing video editing like that's wasn't where my that wasn't my time so I was literally like recording your whole game and sending it out. Um, my recruiting process, I wasn't heavily recruited. Um, I was in that kind of weird space in high school. So like I, in high school, I was, I think my position was probably like a two, three, um, cause we were all around the same height, but um, in college, I was going to be, I had that weird position where it's like a combo guard, but I was too short. And then also the point guards usually are like shorter than me, but very, very quick. And I wasn't very quick or fast. Like that's, that wasn't my game. So I had a very like odd position, um, but I wasn't heavily recruited. I wasn't like getting, um, I was going, getting a lot of letters and people like watching me play. But as far as like the recruiting process, I had it tough. Um, it was really, really hard to be one of the best players on my team and then also in my area that and and to not be recognized is very challenging for me um but san francisco how that came about um i believe um i was actually off of a i definitely sent over some film but she came to my practice um coach chanel star she came to my practice and um watched me practice and then she came to a game i believe um and it was kind of like a long shot, to be honest. Um, I know I could kind of tell when I was going into USF that I was like the last freshman. Like there was five freshmen that came in. I was the very last one. So I didn't really, I didn't really get the feeling that I was the prized freshman, you know? So I knew coming in, I had to work, so. And going to, Ira had a question about going to school in San Francisco. Oh yeah. Um... I knew a lot of shows that went to city out there, um, into uh, into the Dons, but like they they weren't really uh, as focused. There's too many Samoans out there, and it gets really distracting 
and <laughs> I just remember going up that nobody was going to class, but everybody was on campus. And I was like, where, where is everybody? <laughs> like, like, why are my cousins not, what? <laughs> so I guess, how, how's that? Like going to school in the Bay, focus must be a, as far as academics and your sport. Mm-hmm. You went in there saying that you knew you had to work. Um, and then, but then you're also a student as well. So you got to maintain um, all the work that, that that entails. But then you're in the Bay and it's live. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of things to do. So I like, I want to know how that experience was for you. Was it hard to focus on on school and sports when there was a lot of other stuff going on? Or, you know, did, did you know that you had to work on basketball, you had to work on your on your school, so none of that distracted you at all? Okay, so one thing about me, I keep it real with everything, and I, <laughs> Forrest is laughing at me, but, okay, yes, it was very hard to focus in the Bay. I mean, I love the Bay. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I, I love it out there. Um, but I grew up in a very sheltered home. My dad didn't let me do anything. And so I go to college, I'm like, wow, like, I get to go to class if I want to. I get Ooh. to, <laughs> practice. like, well, I practice, but... And then I'm like, oh, I can go out to a, a party and I don't necessarily have to ask for permission. Like, oh, I can eat whatever I want on my co- on my coach's dime. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I had that freedom, right? But I had to, I was reminded, even though, you know, I was very sheltered and stuff. I mean, I know that growing up, my dad, so I'm thankful for my dad. It's like, yeah, he was tough on me, but I knew right from wrong. Yes, and I, mm-hmm. and I knew that like I could definitely go out to a party the night before practice but I knew that like okay I need to get in earlier than I normally would because I have practices that essentially I came there to hoop if I don't perform my scholarship can get taken away so I knew anything out of anything that I've done at USF it's like basketball always came first like but I would recommend for anybody going to college especially anywhere you're going just make the most of it have fun like you're here in college for like once you the working world sucks like you don't want to be outside and like you know and and go you have work the next day and everything have those responsibilities but like when you're in college like you have all your teammates there um you have these different activities to go on campus off campus like make the most of it but take care of business first have fun but take care of business i like it yeah do what you want to do but have the responsibility to do the put in more time if you have to yeah absolutely one thing you guys gotta know about Raina you go out with Raina you can have fun Raina's a very fun person (laughs) but y'all gonna be in the gym in the morning exactly exactly no for real like I honestly like I just made sure like I love having a good time I think that that's kind of most recently like now that I'm in my 30s I feel like my I want my legacy to be or like if you know me as a person I want you to always have a good time I want to leave a really great impression on you as far as like you feel inspired or if you want to have fun I'm usually that friend that you'll call if you want to vent or you know have a good time and and I think that that's that's where I I love to like see my friends happy or have a great time I think because that's what life is all about like is really just living it to your fullest. Um, it, it took a while to get to this level um, of that mentality. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's all about just being happy. Amen. You yeah. said that uh, you would like eat on your coach's dime at scholarship ball at San Francisco. 
if the name and image and likeness ruling had been passed while you were still in college, would you and your teammates be eating? <laughs> would you be paying for the meals yourself? Listen, first of all, to be honest, when we, when I played, um, Facebook, Instagram wasn't really as, like, I think it just came out. So I had it and it's, I think it was my junior or senior year that Instagram like came out. And, um, so it wasn't as popping. Like we were really on Facebook. Um, but absolutely like it, with everything that, that came out for college at this opportunity, oh my goodness. Like I 100% recommend any college athlete take advantage of this, but also be, be mindful of who you work with because yeah. understand that you are still, you're still young. And then there's adults here that have been in the working world and look at you as like, oh, you're going to, this person's going to blow up. They can get me this, they can get me that. And, and their intentions might not be as, as real. So be mindful of who you work with and, and what you represent as well. Um, not all money is good money. Um, you know, especially when it comes to the brands that you work with, like it's a lot that comes along with it. So um you know, that, that's the only thing that I would say to, to watch out for, um, with the, with the new role. What are, uh, for, uh, Eryan Forrest too, what are some ways now that the name image and likeness ruling has been passed that college athletes are going to be able to, to eat and make money off of their name image and likeness? You have the video game stuff. That's like a big kind of like, um, pack thing, group thing that, uh, NCAA has to organize, but then you have like DJ Uyangale, who was just signed to uh, Vayner Sports. He's going to make thousands of dollars before he even gets to become a professional athlete. But what are ways that these college athletes who, you know, just having this opportunity, it's a very new opportunity. What are some ways they can capitalize on it? Raina, what do you think? So I, I'd say that when it comes to this rule, um, I haven't been doing a lot of like research on um, what are like the cutoffs, but I, I would think of it as influencer marketing. Like that's I, my background is mm -hmm. in marketing, um, but you think of yourself as influencers. So brands will look to you to create a post and represent their brand. And you either get a percentage off of um, a flat rate of the post. Um, or that you can get like a promo code and any of the sales that you make, you get a percentage off of it as well. Um, so that is, I feel like that would be the most popular the way for the, yeah. the ways for athletes to make the, the money, um, for them because they've established, I mean, there's so many athletes, like even high school kids these days are get, have enormous following right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's great. It's dope. I think it's amazing that these kids are getting all of these, um, this recognition at a very young age, but that's the power of social media. Like it's, it's great, especially with this new policy, but you know, definitely it's hard. At the, I don't know. I, I see, I'm on the fence with it as well. There are some down, there's some downs of social media. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I think I think it's something that can easily be abused, right? So like right. it has potential to do great things, it has potential to be destructive, right? But right. um as far as like the bigger schools, right? And that's what you know everybody's worried about, like the uh D one schools, all the schools you see on ESPN as far as college is concerned. Um that makes sense that those players will make money. Um I went to a small D three school in Oregon, Pacific University, right? And so, like, I guess the way I relate to it is I think that hometowns, like, 
I'm from Modesto. If I was going to school up there, um, and that name, image, and likeness thing was was popping, it I, I could have been able to sell merch. You know what I mean? Even like while I was in school, make me make money off that. You know what I mean? So like, I'm talking to some of my friends uh, or some of my cousins, uh, kids. You know what I mean? Like uh, some of my friends' kids who are graduating high school, going to college. Um, right now, I'm showing them how to make shirts. You know what I mean? Like, yo, make your merch. It's going to be something that's a skill that you can, you know, whatever school you go to. You know what I mean? Even it doesn't have to be a popular school like LSU or or Duke. You know what I mean? It, any yeah. school you go to, you have the potential to be an influencer, like you were saying. Um, and that's what I love about it. It kind of like equalizes that playing field, right? That like just because you go to a big school doesn't mean you'll be able to create a popular IG that you can make money off of, you know, that people will pay you for. Um, but it's also like tough, like, man, these kids are going to have to learn marketing super young, you know what I mean? And how competitive it is and how right. constant you have to be providing content and how interesting your content has to be. Like people are going to have to <laughs> learn all that and then go to class for whatever they're majoring in, you know, like yeah. it, it's weird. It's like, it's a, it's a big opportunity and a big burden. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I can't wait to see how people take advantage of it. Um, hopefully there's a lot more people that are trying to do good and you know, people that are guiding, like, you know, there's there's definitely gonna be people out there trying to be leeches, man. And Definitely. I don't know, hopefully for sure. Hopefully I can see them before they make that kind of movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And even on the even on the coaching staff of any of the, the schools or any of the um for D three, D one, D two, whatever it is, I hope you know, eventually that would be uh, something coaches are going to be aware of and, um, you know, be able to mentor their, their players of that world. Um, and, you know, social media or influencer marketing might be something brand new to the coaches, but that gives the coaches the opportunity to educate themselves on what they can um, teach their their players, because if you think about it, these kids are what 18, 19 years old going into college. And it's like, okay, here's, this is like a job. And it's like, well, what do you do with your money? Like we blow our money or like I mentioned, not all money is good money. Um, you got to read through like what the contract would sit, what, what would be like, is there a contract involved? Like, you know, um, so, you know, I, I believe that's probably going to happen with some of the coaching. Um, I haven't talked to any of the coaches about that rule specifically, but I would assume that that probably would be helpful um, because these, these players are looking to their coaches for that, that um, mentorship part of the game. So do you think teams will have to hire a financial advisor? For their teams now, but or I was I don't just know, about to say some legal gonna, aspect uh, of it. Like it's it's going to create a whole new position on a coaching staff, um, to where they're going to have to have someone look out for the players and what they're doing. And I know you did. I know players don't want to hear it, but you're going to have someone there to have to regulate what they're doing, just so they don't get into trouble. It's like Raina said, 18, 19 years old. You don't want to hear nobody tell you that. No, that's my money. You don't want to hear anybody tell you what to do with your money and how you're making it. Mm -hmm. So, but I think it, it'll create a new position either within the athletic department or the coaching staff. And uh, yeah. I think it'll help the kids a lot. Absolutely. I know that there, I mean, when I was playing, there's a compliance department. I think that there might be whoever is ahead of the compliance probably would have these meetings with each of the teams. Um, I would assume it would come from that department and help 
acting to advise like the the um, athletes on what to to do. Um, maybe somebody outside of the coaching staff, if there's some, um, you know, different PR firms and agencies, I'm, I'm assuming they might bring on some new athletes, a part of their program, because that's all they do is that they they negotiate the deals while they're celebrities, influencers, they just, you know, post away. Um, so that could probably be an avenue to, like I said, the coaching staff. Um, so there's, I think there would be a lot of opportunity for, for member or mentors to, to help with the athletes making these decisions, but it's just hoping that it's the right person to do that. Yeah. It's going to, this is going to take somebody uh, with like really good integrity to be able to help and yeah, not sure. only coach, but mentor and guide um, some of these athletes who are going to be getting thousands of dollars to make sure that they spend it, save it, invest it responsibly and not just, I mean, if you want to go out and blow it, you can do that. But here's a here's a path that also provides financial stability later that you can try. Right. If right. that is offered, that education that that's going to be able to help people go far. I think I think about like the uh, students that had to like work at the same time that they were uh, playing, like whether it to be uh, for rent or sending money back home or financial. Uh, hardships, whatever they had to do, they can now, instead of working a, you know, a part-time job, they can have this to build up some funds and be able to focus on their sport and their original passion, if that is their, if what they want to do, instead of having to, you know, be off campus and away from the gym for six, 18, whatever hours a week. And then it, hopefully it leads to better athletes that are more focused on their craft and that can do better. Um, Speaking of some of the best athletes in the South Pacific, the South Pacific Games, you were a representative. Um, Papua New Guinea, tell us what that what that trip was like, what it was like to uh, represent for the country to to be out there amongst different Polynesian communities. That's my captain, by the way. <laughs> it Ooh. was it was great. I mean, I've never been to Samoa, and um, you know, to be able to represent. Samoa with my sisters was really, really special to, to me. Um, I think also going out there and visiting some family members that I've heard of, but never could, I didn't really meet. Um, I think that was, that was great. Um, like one of my favorite parts of the trip in Samoa was the, when we went to, I think it was for us, it was like football camp or football. Um, yeah. I think had his football camp out there and then also we were playing and pick up outside with some of the local girls too and it's like just to see how um happy these kids were to just play and like just be outside and like with no care in the world it's like we get so consumed with our phones with like money with like bills problems and it's like you go out when I went there it's like people are just generally like the kid, these kids are generally happy. Like they're living off of what they have right now. Um, and, and that, that's kind of what spoke to me. It's just like, you don't need much to be happy. Um, and I think that you get so caught up on that out here in the U S. Um, but you know, once we came out and Island time is really a thing, God, that's, another, <laughs> that's the one thing I, man, we would get, we would get emails at like three out, three hours before he like, Hey, we have practice today in at 9am. I'm like, okay. And it, we, I show up at like, we showed up at like 830, 845. Cause we're just used to being a little bit early. Cause if you show up on time, you're late. 
No, our coach would stroll in, <laughs> including Forrest, would stroll in at like 10 a.m. And I'm like, okay, this is for this is island time. This is what they're talking about. Okay, got it. So, you just coming from McDonald's? What's <laughs> your breakfast? Yeah. I had to work in the morning. <laughs> so I had a job to go to. Yeah. So um, so that was cool. But then when we went to uh, New Guinea, that was a that was an experience. Um, I you know playing against other islands. Um, man, I, I will. I always. I'll never forget that. Um, it was just so, like, inspiring. Like the support from back home and from Samoa. Like the Facebook page. I mean, if we had like Instagram Live or something to ver- like to stream the games, that'd have been great. But I don't think the internet back over there was pretty um, good. But you know, that was that was fun and like getting this just like the support. The F- Fiji team they beat us in the championship, and I'll never forget that because it pissed me off. But. Um, <laughs> that is that was definitely a game like the crowd is packed and also because like that was like I haven't played I didn't play professionally after college so that was and I still wanted to play so that was like it felt like I was still like playing and and competing in front of like a big crowd and like that just gave me that like adrenaline rush that I was missing um Mm -hmm. in basketball so that was definitely an unforgettable experience Man, that's beautiful to see how universal the sport of basketball is, right? That, like, these people you've never met before in the South Pacific, you know what I mean, playing the same sport as you were. How, like, were they as, were they practicing as hard as you were when nobody's around? Oh, man, that, that that's beautiful just to see. How, how was that game? I mean, man, it pissed you off, but, like, but <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to ask for details, but, man, it sounds okay. super intense. I want to hear more. It's okay. Um, I'll never forget their point guard. Um, I don't, I have no idea who she is. Um, Valerie. Her name is anything. Who? Valerie. Oh, I forgot Valerie. her last name. Valerie. Yeah. Um, she was great. Um, and I think she was um, a little bit older um, than us. But... So was she, uh, I think she was already coaching at, um, was it Fordham? And that was like her second year coaching already, but she was, she was a seasoned player. She was, I mean, and I'm not hyping Reyna, but next to Reyna, she might've been the next best player because Reyna was out there killing, but she just, I, it goes to show that experience really counts for a lot. I was just going to say that. Yeah, was she, say that. she was really smart, really smart. Really, very smart. And I think that like that, it kind of is like what I know now, like if I would have known when I was an athlete, like back in college, like I would have been a lot better um, because as a coach, you study the game from a different lens. Like you're playing, all you think about like, okay, scoring, whatever. But as a coach, you have to really understand your players. You have to draw up different plays. Like it's not only just one player that you're focusing on. And then you have to study like the, the, uh, the opposing team. So, you know, seeing the basketball from like a player to a coaching standpoint, like that is an advantage in itself. Um, she's just really smart. And I think that's, that's also um, one thing that I would have to say about um, like, I mean, overall, I guess physically, I don't know if I'm the only one, but like, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the quickest. I can't jump. I'm not, that is just, I'm not athletic as my dad would say. Um, but <laughs> my dad's was honest about that but I'm a I was the smartest player like I, I knew mm. basketball basketball IQ is very high um I work hard um and I knew the things that I could do which is shooting and dribbling that's something that I could control by practicing so that helped me get to where I, I was because I played to my strengths not trying to like 
kill myself trying to run faster than these other guards. So don't let Raina fool you. She's a walking bucket. <laughs> she keeps trying to downplay how she's not fast or anything. I've seen the tapes. I've oh. seen <laughs> I've seen the buzzer beaters. I've seen you move. Like, hey Raina, Lance is all about the data. So he looks into numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did say. Yeah. I will I will Google it. Um <laughs> so Force tells us that you're Samoan and Mexican. Script. Mm-hmm. What are what are some okay, so especially growing up in Southern California, big communities of both, what are some similarities? between uh Samoans and Mexicans that you've uh seen in your life don't save the parties the, I was gonna say the parties <laughs> the fun <laughs> the fun um but also just we're big at both sides we're big family like we're our, our family is everything um you know and we have each other's back and um I think that that is what like the biggest similarity of the two is just like our my you know someone's i like we have our, our family parties like um we have every holiday it's together and then same with the, my on my mom's side like family parties um holidays um but also very inclusive so it's like if you know my grandma from my dad's side is having eight, my grandma's 80th birthday we had my mom's side of the family come too um, same with like my, for my quinceanera, I had a quinceanera having all of my family there and like doing um, for like just different, I think we had, I forgot, was, I forgot whose party it was, but just like different dances or different the music and stuff. It's just a very family oriented, both of them, um, the culture is there. Um, but definitely I'd say we're also very inclusive with each other. And that's what I really love about both of my families. Talked about playing the sport um then we read about locked in and so like really interested to hear about like it it seems like it was a your your goal was to go to the WNBA right and so um trying to find out the the plan b for it like uh it, it sounds like it was tough and then how you transitioned into media we watched a couple of the black hollywood live uh interviews um and that was really cool to see because uh me and lance started this podcast right and um we, I guess we weren't looking for it. So we didn't know how many other PI people that were already in the game. And so when we, when Forrest had let us know about you, we were like, oh damn, people have been in this, bro. What, That's what we're trying to looking. do. Right, you know, I was like, yo, this is what, this this is where it's at. And so, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, want to know more about how that transition as far as finding out that um, entertainment, sports, news was something that you wanted to get into or was that something you had planned for a plan B no, or is that no. something that you stumbled upon? Yeah, no, I, I honestly didn't like one thing about me is like, I, I thought I was going to play basketball professionally, no matter what, like I didn't have a plan B. And I think that's what set me back in college is like, I was so focused on basketball. Um, you know, I had a good college career, but you know, I struggled moving on from basketball because I didn't know what else to do. Um, and so had I just like looking back and, and, and the opportunities that I had in the Bay area, like definitely would have, you know, interned or something or tried different things to figure out what else I'm into, um, how media and entertainment came about. Um, I was, um, it was a George divine. He was our announcer. Um, he needed a halftime show and he was like, Raina, why don't you just come in, like interview your teammates? And I'm like, okay. Cause it's, that's just my personality. I'm an outgoing person. I'm like, I like talking to whoever it is. And so I was like, cool. Like I have, I'll have, I'll talk to my teammate or, and then I had like this little 
today with Ray weird show that I put on Facebook. I don't even think it's even there anymore, but like a day in a life type thing. Um, and I just, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do after college. I just tried things. And I think that that's something that you definitely have to do moving on from college is just try things. You don't know if you don't try it. Like I knew that I like talking to people. I knew I'm a people person. Why not try media? Like whatever, you know? And so, and I tried it. Um, I like it. I, I like, you know, the whole industry in itself, but I've moved on from that. I'll still do interviews and stuff if I'm needed, but I've moved on from that. I've worked in marketing and I started to learn different things. I'm a nerd at heart. I really like learning about um, different trends and how to, uh, how to build someone else's brand. So, but I wouldn't know if I didn't try it. How um, Black Hollywood Live, After Buzz TV, how that came apart was through a connection. Um, and it was just, hey, like, if you wanna try out here, here's an opportunity and just go for it. I didn't have the, I didn't go to school for broadcast journalism. I just had a communications degree. Um, but I just went for it and I got it and I was able to, to build my skills as far as it was an internship essentially. And so like talking to other, um, celebrities or whoever it was like that came a part of, um, after Buzz TV and black Hollywood live. That's dope. Dan Thomas, Chuck Tesla. You got to interview, you also interviewed Tanel. You got some like raised stories. See, that's another thing. It's like, I feel, I, I know so many people and I've met so many people and it's like one of the part, what did I really liked about the, when I had that opportunity to bring on Tanel and then um, there was another um, rapper from Carson Reason. This is before he was, even he was up and coming and um, another friend of mine, Akil. Um, I, I wanted to bring on, and then Chuck Dizzle, like, I wanted to bring people that I know have stories that might not have had that crazy celebrity million follower status, but, you know, they mean, they have stories to tell. Their journeys are very unique. Sanal is huge in the Polynesian community already, um, but there's more to her than her voice, you know? Um, same with Reason, same with Chuck. Um, and so, that's why I liked it is just, I really am fueled by stories and um, not just by celebrities. There's, everyone has a story. Um, and so, and you can learn something and find motivation in everyone's unique story. So that's why I liked doing it. Like I can talk on FaceTime and have that go on, I don't know, on social media or something. It's just, you don't have to limit yourself to being a celebrity to be interviewed. Um, because every, you can learn something about your story might touch somebody else and you don't even know it, you know? So that's why I liked, um, doing that as, um, for that part of my career. That is a hundred percent how this started. It's like, we saw something and we were like, we want to do that. Let's do it. And then Forrest was like, Brenda's already doing that. It was like, well, let's ask her how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a great example. And like, representation not seeing something but then seeing that something is possible hearing through someone else's story and journey that you can do something and then getting those things off the ground and producing great things for the community is is what we are aiming to do um so okay so now you're in marketing and just like as like a super deep dive We've also, or Eri has started up a clothing apparel, uh, uh, island apparel company, and there's a bunch of those um, target audience marketing numbers, 
you work uh with annex and do social bridge and they have like how do you target is that all just like an algorithm or do you yeah. need to like find certain areas to to get good target audiences to match up yeah so um annex is actually a software company um i made that shift just recently in 2019 but social bridge was was a marketing tool that our um, developers built and i was like the main person to kind of um train my clients on and like demo the program um so but i did use my marketing background um as an opportunity to help me excel in this career um marketing has changed over time i think the trends change pretty much every month. There's always something new that's announced. I think it was today or yesterday where Twitter just announced that the fleets, like the stories, they're removing that and they're working on something else. And they just launched that. I've, I'm not sure when, but that less took over. Yeah, they last definitely less than a year, but if you haven't heard anybody on Clubhouse anymore, huh? Because that's of- right because of fleet because twitter became came out of twitter spaces and that's essentially what clubhouse was doing um but those different trends um you'll find out like on a daily basis like you just have to try and like keep up uh, keep track with it um and so i think with like marketing too it's like just don't force it i feel like there's the need to be viral is just is gonna stress this is stress you out <laughs> like honestly because it's like you can't you don't know what's gonna be viral you what po one post can be liked by somebody like the right person and then it's out there um just authenticity is really important in social media marketing just be who you are as a brand um you know get you know just post the real content like the pi stories and the representation it definitely does matter like i feel like as a polynesian community i can go on about this but polynesians are very powerful like we have a huge huge um opportunity to make noise in any space that we could we want to be in um, and I think the one thing that we need to work on as a community, and I might get some heat for this, but one thing that we need to work on as a community is supporting one another when we're on the come up, not when we're up. Amen. Hey. Um, because, you know, I, the different opportunities that I've been given, it's all about like the connections that I've made and like, I'm super thankful of it. There's not, if I ever get an opportunity, you'll never see me. Like, I won't just take it and think like, oh, I got it because I have this many followers or I'm Raina or I'm like, whatever. I'm grateful. Thank you for referring me or thank you for thinking about me. That that doesn't take a lot of time. Um, and even when if it's somebody else in the same space, um, you know, there's room for all of us to win. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, as a Polynesian, our, our community can do a lot better on, you know, it doesn't matter whoever has another podcast or another host, and they might be Polynesian, we're not competing against each other, we're not, there's no competition, it's just this podcast, this, this host, and this podcast, this host, like you're developing, this is, this is your motive, and then this is my motive, um, but how powerful can we be if we all support each other on the come up versus, oh, Troy Palmo, that's everybody's cousin. Or, oh, um, wait, did I say Troy Palmo? I feel like from Troy Palmo, that's everybody. Oh, The Rock. Rock is my cousin. He's my cousin. Um, uh, Uncle Rock. Uh, Tanella is, is my cousin, too. He's my cousin's cousin. But because they made it there, now there's the support. But we need to support each other on the way up. Um, 
like I said, I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for this, but I mean, I said what I said, and I can, I'm sure there's people that probably agree with me. Um, but you know, it, it is reality. Like we could be so much more powerful if we would, we would work together on the come up. <laughs> so she Amen. said we should support people before they're famous. I hate it. <laughs> These, you know, them haters, they're not, they're not going to be able to, you're good. We, I just, let's be, like I said, I'm real. Like, right. you're I, real, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to be 100. Like, it just, it just is not, like, I get it as far as, like, competing and wanting to, you know, be better and like improving, that's totally fine. But there is just space for everybody to succeed. And, um, you know, you don't dim your light. What is it? Don't dim your light if you by putting someone else's. So I don't know what it is, what that saying is, but it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Putting other people down isn't going to bring you up. Bring everybody up. Let's 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 rise the tide. I I um, I appreciate the fact that like, when you when you said you got to do interviews with Tanel and Reason, that you wanted to take all of the glamour away, right? All that, that like, that esteem that people that they're known for, and let people recognize their personal story. That's um, I really like that because it, it takes the focus like away from the end goal, right? Mm-hmm. And like you don't yeah. get, you don't get overly, you don't get desensitized by unfavorable circumstances as far as your end goal is concerned. You want people to look at the grind, look at people coming up, look at people putting in the work right now, right now. Right. You know what I mean? And then, you know, let them tell you their vision, their goal, you know, the, that they're working towards, you know I mean? They don't have to make the million dollars yet, but look at them making that this hundred thousand right now, or just this 10,000 right now. Like that's where people fall in love with their grind as far as any grind is concerned. And man, I I, I love that. I, I, I can see how that affected your work ethic and like, gave you a great ability to uh to pivot no pun intended um <laughs> but that's a uh, that's super dope I like that yeah and even like the, the the one thing about you guys saying that you wanted like the podcast or pi and then in that space and you're like we want to we want to get there we want to be at that level well you guys are already one step ahead of so many people by doing it a lot of times people are talking about what they want to do, what they want to do, what they want to do, but they're not actually doing it and putting themselves out there and like putting some action. That's, that's like the biggest things Like you can talk about your goals and you can have like a plan of action, but if you're not taking a step forward doing it, then where are you going to go? Like direction is so much more important um, than just getting to that, like that, that level right now it's not going to happen right now unless you take that one step in launching the podcast so you guys launch the podcast you're already a step ahead from people who don't you know yeah and imagine plan the starting this podcast for like two years but you're here and now we started off the ground and now we started yeah yeah but imagine imagine the podcast that we have when we're able to discuss when rain is on the front of like forbes magazine you know running her fortune 500 country you know company and how far your podcast will come along you know and you can say you interviewed reina before she got to that spot <laughs> and then when reina comes back on she can say she was on the show before you got to where you guys are right when we was on the grind i was on yeah. everyone so man i feel it tell us about right, so uh lot of media work that you yeah, that you've done this far. How did that? So it, it's really dope talking, like hearing you talk about your vision uh, for people, for the world, for um, building your own, your own brand, your own business. Uh, 
did was locked in something that you you thought was was needed mm-hmm. like or was it some was it something that you thought you needed and you were like oh man this is a this is a perspective that not many other people see as far as getting ready for after college you know do you tell people to get ready for after college uh like when they get into college you know what i mean or like do yeah. like teaching them like yo the minute you get into college have a plan b yeah have plans have options you know like how did that come how did that come about as far as locked in is concerned as far as locked in is concerned like i'm actually i've i didn't officially put it into like an, a business until last year and the brink of the pandemic and um i hesitated a lot in starting it because i didn't know which avenue i wanted to take um i'm not sure at first i wanted it to be um an online community slash blog but then i also wanted to be a little bit more hands-on um and then i wanted it to be a podcast so it's like there's different ways that like i wanted to take it and it was to be transparent it was very um intimidating for me because i just wanted it to be perfect and that's why i said like you guys have Mm -hmm. that one step by starting it and for me it just brought me back because i'm like getting pulled into these different avenues um but i'm still developing it i'm taking my own time with it because like the world has changed since that like the pandemic hit events aren't as we don't know if we're going to be on another lockdown soon a lot of um a lot of what locked in i wanted it to be as an event space where i'm hosting panels of former athletes and educating current athletes on life after sport i I mean life after you move on from your sports um to get them to start thinking about things um currently um but then with the new nil policy um that could Mm. get them to start athletes to start thinking about them in high school so you know like the world changes and so i think with me any opportunity that i get to talk to an athlete either current athlete or um, high school or current college athlete high school. Um, Even these little camps that I'll do with um, my dad's brand, if we do any like camps or mentorship programs or something, I'm talking like, okay, you know, you don't have to necessarily tell kids like, oh, who wants to be a professional athlete or who wants to go to college or who wants to do this? Like, you know, have those conversations early on. Like, oh, so what do you want to do? What what do you want to be with when you grow up? They're like, I want to be in the NBA. Okay, cool. So what else do you like? Like, what is your favorite subject at school? Like, what do you like to do? Do you like to draw? Do you like to dance? Like have those little, those conversations with your kids um, at a young age. So if I'm, whenever I'm in put in that position to coach, that's when I'm starting to talk to these kids because they're they're great they're learning they're sponges so it's like if you start off that conversation at a very very young age um they're going to start thinking about that and growing and growing and growing um you know it's unfortunate that a lot of kids are going to be on their phones or on their ipads these days so a lot of the information they're going to be consuming would be online um and so you know that's why it's so important to be just in your kids or your cousins or whatever the heads at a young young age talk about like hey there's there's more to life sports great yes work hard um but are is there is there anything else that you're interested in man Yo, the, uh, that's hitting me hard, man. Just cause uh, my I got little cousins who are getting into high school now, and uh, like they're involved with sports, and um, yeah, just seeing them like grow and seeing them get into trouble sometimes. You know what I mean? Or you know who they're around. It's like I'm, yeah. it's I'm not even their parent, but like I understand now why my aunties and uncles and 
you know what I mean? My my mom and dad were so like, yo, who you hanging around? Who you with? And now, you know, I'm I'm looking at the younger generation as far as man, yeah, just all that all that stuff that could distract them from a goal. They're exposed um, a lot, yeah. like online now, because it's I mean, my generation, we were outside, like we were getting our hands dirty. We were playing at the parks until the lights came off. Um, we had to go home. Um, we were, we had like our weekends packed with like sports stuff. Um, you know, I didn't have my phone. Like I didn't, I didn't even think I got a phone until like I was in eighth grade in eighth grade, but that was just like a, just to, I only like, text. I had like 10 texts a month and it was only, and I could only, call, I could only call one number, like my dad, my, so it's like, uh, internet oh you had the motorola butterfly <laughs> probably like nah, I, R- Rita had a sidekick that's when texts were like 265 a, a message a not call, but. i had a sidekick in high school. Had a sidekick. but, but mm. honestly my dad knows this now but i hid the sidekick um for three years my boyfriend three, three years my boyfriend at the time because i would get my phone taken away from my dad and he like who are you calling after seven i'd like lie to him i was like it's my friend miranda and it was really <laughs> secret boyfriend and he bought me a sidekick and I had one of those prepaid you go to 7-Eleven you got the seven seven day pat seven day thing <laughs> plug it in and I would like I would aim him on the side I'm like all day long. So, yeah and I hid Dang. that from my dad oh my I hid that from my, from my dad for three years um, I, my siblings would blackmail me I'm so dad about your sidekicks I'm like Okay, here, whatever. You were using trap phones better than people in the trap. Yeah, that's that's, that's was, crazy. Uh, we made it. We made it work. That was that young love. <laughs> yeah. Reina, Reina also, um, not just the kids that she sees now uh, playing sports. Reina's the leader of a pack of uh, five of you, Reina. Mm-hmm. There's five of us. I'm the oldest. So, and, and and it's a a sports family. I mean, they all excel at every sport they played. Uh, three of you guys played. Uh, the three girls played basketball. Uh, I mean, your brothers played basketball, but they played uh, college football. Yeah, they they're more football. They played basketball like during the parks, but they knew they. Yeah. I think they hated basketball so much because they had to be at our games all weekend. My dad would like throw us in his his big truck with like sandwiches made, and they had to bring their Game Boys, and they hated being in the gym all day long. So I think that they just hated basketball because of us <laughs> so they're football players for sure i mean my dad's a football player so like he knew that was gonna happen <laughs> so your dad I mean, went to imagine. university of oregon mm-hmm. yeah my dad <laughs> my dad was a duck bunch of ducks out here over where i'm yeah. in portland so you're in portland okay yeah so a bunch I of love portland. the food out there is amazing oh my gosh that's pizza my best in the country pizza. apparently that report came out <laughs> it said Portland has the best pizza. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, so uh, yeah, you were you were saying in your uh, your senior year you played with um, it was all three of you guys on the court. Your sisters. Yeah. How was that? That sounds like a uh, Disney movie. That was, what, was, what was that Disney movie called? With the uh, twins. The twins. I know what you're talking about double double. <laughs> yeah. Did you do the movie? Did you pass movie. it? Right. <laughs> I was like, what? You make those uh, chili cheese sandwiches. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so fat. I, I, that's what I remember from the movie. <laughs> I just remember that move. I was like, what? What? What are, uh, how, about, how was that? How was 
like all three of you guys on the court that must have been super fun fun. it was so fun um i mean at the time like we would like i think i had my grandpa's old 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 jeep and like we had like 6 a.m practices and i just got my license and so like packing all of it we had all of us in the car like i had to take the streets to school because for my poor Boris, that's what I named his car. He can't, he wasn't very fast, so he couldn't be on the freeway. But just like going to, going to practice this together, like just, you know, the tournaments, the trips, um, you know, like, and then also on the court too, um, you know, like looking back at that, like, yeah, that not a lot of sisters have played with each other. Like there's usually like a big gap um, or like one sister would be on like JV or something, but um, to have all three of us on the court. I think we did had all three of us on the court a few times, um, but it was fine. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have, that's how, why um, playing for American Samoa was also fun too. Cause I, I remember that. And that was something that I, I had all three of them on the team. So, yeah. Is it, uh, you talked once about uh, having knowing your teammates and which ones you can talk to a certain way and which ones you have to approach differently. What are your, what are your sisters like? Are you able to yell at them? Not a dull moment. Not a dull moment. Oh my God. Not a dull moment. My, my sisters probably hated playing with me because I just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- okay yeah i'm an older sister and like i can talk to i i just you know the emotions get the best of me and you know they're my sister so it's like i kind of just like i don't care you're not going to do anything to me so i'll just say what i have to say i mean i apologize (laughs) for the most part but yeah i mean but the thing about it is they know me so like they know to just ignore me like they'll be mad but they'll just like let me talk and just be like, all right, Raina, Raina's having one of her little episodes. Like, let me just shut it, like just in one ear, out the other. Um, I think Desert just like threw a ball at me one time. Like it just, we we used to get at it in, in, in some of, definitely not as much in high school, but when we were older, because it's like our basketball IQ is different now. So like Kristen played for a specific team and so used to a certain style of play. And then I'm used to a different, uh, different style of play and I'm the point guard. So like, of course I have my petty moments where I didn't pass her the ball or, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, for her out right now, like <laughs> so many conversations like that. Um, but you know, it's, it's fun. I don't think we'll ever play again though. Like, Oh, there's no way that we all three of us would play again. I'm pretty sure Kristen's not playing anymore. Desiree, no. Um, but I'm still going. So, <laughs> Coach uh, Coach Forrest, what's your favorite Olive sister uh, memory? Oh, it was in practice, of course. Uh, I know Raina was just she didn't think that Des was playing hard at practice, and she stopped dead in practice and just yelled at Des. And Des looked at her like, "I don't care what it was." <laughs> Stop then, in practice. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like this. Raina's intense, and Des was just like, "Whatever." <laughs> that, is, that is exactly. <laughs> That is yeah. Desiree and Raina for sure, 100%. Des, Des stopped playing dead on. She's like, sup? And when it's that <laughs> And then I had Raina all tournament long, just at, at, at a timeout. She'd be like, hey, take my sister out. I'm like, hey, don't. I can't take your sister out. That's our shooter. She's not, take her out. She's not making it. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I would, I'm the more emotional sister, and I'm very, very, like, vast. I'm very, um, 
oh my God, I, I'm just so intense when I play. Like I'm a, a very different person on the court. Like, oh yeah, Reina point guard and uh, Reina off the court, two different people. Two different people, like two different people. For sure, for sure. Like I, man, like I'm a complete, if you're not my teammate or if, or if you are my teammate, like my intensity level is just on it. I just, you know, you're not going to outwork me. And like, that's why, that's why Desiree and I, cause I take practice seriously. <laughs> very. And, so, like, and I, and I, yeah, I, I remember that. I yelled at yeah. her so bad. She said, hey, if you're not going to practice, then go sit the fuck down. I was like, okay, I was just like, whatever. Like, and she okay. sat down because she, <laughs> she, like, I will. she went and sat down. She's like, whatever. She didn't just sit down like outside. She sat on the court first, then got up and went and sat outside. I was like, okay. She said, yeah. bet. Right. <laughs> you want me to sit down? I'm going to sit down. Yep. Yep. That was, that's, damn, that's funny. I remember that. But Raina, Raina is a point so guard cool. that you need on your team. If you if you ever need a point guard, Raina is a point guard you need on your team. That's what you need. Half of the girls in Papua were dead scared of Raina. Uh, Raina would come down, knock down the three, D you up on the other side, look at you and tell you that you can't score, and then you wouldn't score. And the girls would be like, damn it, I can't score. And then it would be <laughs> game over. Game over. Yeah. Who would you who would you say is your uh your NBA or your WNBA player comparison? Oh, comparison? Ugh. I mean, I'm not as... I'm hearing player. Rondo. I'm hearing, like, you want to be out there and, like, I, in people's shit. Diana Zorowski. Um, I, she, I love... Diana has always, like, remember she played at Norco? Um, and my dad would take me to go watch her play. Um, I think I was in high school, too. I think I had to be a freshman or something. And it's, like, my dad, like, would tell you, Diana Zorowski, like, and so I saw her play one time. I was, like, she is so good. And, like, I loved how intense she played and she was a big shit talker as well. Um, and so like, to be honest though, I, I wasn't this player until I started playing for Cal Sparks because I played for like a very like South Bay waves. And then I played for another league and it's very like, you know, team bonding, like, you know, don't, you know, whatever. Right. Very nice. Very nice. When I went to Cal Sparks, my first practice, I was like, dad, I can't, I'm not going to last year. I'm not going to last year. Like, there's no way I stepped on the court and they're deeming me up full court, like at practice, talking shit, like leave that pretty shit at home. Right. Like welcome to like, I I'm talking like it was intense and like, you know, and that they would like joke around with you, but sometimes it kind of hurt. Like I was like, damn. And then, and so I would just be quiet. And then they're like, you're not going to say nothing back. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I really don't know. I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how to get beat up. Like, I don't know what to do. So it's like that, like being like, that's the part that like really developed me. And I talk about that because mm -hmm. I, some of the girls that I play with the Casparks, I play in the Drew League. And I'm like, I wouldn't be this player that I wasn't in if I didn't play for Casparks because they brought out like the dog in me. Like you have to have that thick skin and that competitive nature to hoop. Um, I mean, I'm sure it is for other sports, but like, you really have to have that, like, um, that, like, nobody can, can touch you type attitude and that mentality of like the intensity. And so I, I wasn't this player until I played for Cal Sparks. And then it just like, you can't shut me up on the court. <laughs> oh, that's dope. No trouble. They did you up the first day. They were like, well, yeah, I was like that. I don't think I, I don't think I could play here. I think I should, <laughs> I don't think I meant to, to be here. Like, no, suck it up. You're gonna play with them. I'm like, all right, fine. And then I would hate going to practice 
And then I started like speaking up and like, they would joke with me and I'd say some shit back. They're like, okay, Raina. Okay. Raina. Like you're getting, you're getting there. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm getting there. Uh, that is a movie, man. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's dope, yo. And it's, don't think it's just her opponents that get it; her teammates get it too. But it's to uplift them. Uh, I know some of her teammates used to look at me like, "Hey, are you gonna let her talk to me like that?" That's your point guard. <laughs> what you gonna do? That's your captain. <laughs> you know me. Me and Tapasa were really like. Oh my god. <laughs> ooh, ooh. See, this is like my best friend. That's Raina's best friend. Um, shout out to Tapasa. Her wife plays for the Aces. Chelsea uh, Gray, if you don't know, Chelsea she's an Gray, all-star right? this year and an yeah. Olympic uh, uh, player. But yeah, her and Tipesa would go, oh my gosh. Remember when Tip got blocked and Reyna was like, you gonna let her get, you gonna, you gonna let her get blocked like it? You gonna let her get blocked? I was like, don't do it. Tip's about and to then, suck you in the face. <laughs> and and Tip would tell me the same thing. She was like, she was like are you gonna let her go, go off yep. on you? And I'm yep. like, oh my, but we would be, but then we would also like team up on other, our teammates too, or just be like, are you seriously? Yep. Like, where, are you gonna play some defense? Like, we knew how to get on each like i don't know we just were similar in that case of like intensity like you can get on me because i need that if i'm playing like shit you need to get yeah. on call me out mm, Same with yeah. her um i mean she was it wasn't like they were breaking each other down they were obviously building each other up it's you know everybody knows how to build each other up and that's how they built each other up for sure and then sure. it trickled down to the rest of the team you know they picked up on it and no one wanted to disappoint her and Tipesa, but mostly they didn't want to disappoint Reyna. So when Reyna spoke to them that way, they knew that it was just her trying to get them to play better. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I also had to like really catch myself a lot too because I, I mean, I'm not proud. Of, I know certain things I could have been a little bit more easier on the girls from the islands too, um, because they're not used to that type of intense, high intensity ball. Um, I think I just get caught up in the moment. Um, but again, like if you know the the point guard by Valerie or whatever, she's you know, she's a coach now too. So she understood that. Like I me mean, looking back at it now, like I would be a lot different in my, in my delivery. Um, hi, Noah. What up, what's up? Noah, you next on this interview, bro. Uh, <laughs> you're next, say you're next to get interviewed. There we go. Who lines you up, Us? Oh, man, we got, a, out. We, we got a great barber, man. You come to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. Tom, we're hoping on Thursday. Oh, that's tomorrow. Okay. Um, man, what else was it? Do South Pacific Games coach Forrest. Raina, any other uh, upcoming projects or uh, recommendations you have? Things that are coming up for you. What's new? Um, honestly, um, definitely going to try and like regroup and figure out what I want to do with locked in with everything coming on with the new NCAA policy. Um, mm. I think for me personally, um, I, the pandemic really kind of forced me to look at myself and get myself, um, like my mental health, my physical health all in order. So I think that like, if I were to say like, what's next for me, if anyone, um, is listening or, um, I would hope that it would be more of a message for them to focus on yourself, your, improving yourself mentally and physically. I think that um, I learned a lot about myself in the pandemic. It forced me to stay still. Um, I think that I was so yeah. used to hustling and like, um, uh, what, no days off, grind, all, like late nights, early mornings. That's actually very unhealthy and like just working, working, working. And 
um, you know, I really developed a passion for like fitness and like working out really hard and like just eating better, taking my vitamins, like doing different things like to help me. Cause if you physically feel better, like you will perform at a better level. So um, I think that that's honestly what I'm focused on right now is like, yes, I have done amazing things in my career. I flipped from like broadcast to marketing to software. Um, you know, I still play in basketball, but I never really focused on my mental health and my physical health health until this past year. Um, and I don't think I would if it wasn't for the pandemic. So I'm kind of thankful for that. Um, so I would hope that we all as a community um, get to that because it's like being vulnerable and expressing yourself of like, okay, I need to mentally get better. Like that's not a weakness. That's like actually going to help you out so much more if you understand that part of you. I mean, it just makes me feel better when I'm you know, around my friends and like, okay, let's have a good time. I'm like, okay, let's have a great time because I actually am happy on the inside. I'm not masking it. Like I'm not like, oh, like deep down inside, like I'm struggling. No, I'm actually happy with everything right now. And I'm able to do it versus like, going outside, being happy, and then coming outside and coming back inside and like crying or something, you know? So it's like, mm. that is more of my okay. goal right now is just to continue this level of um, self-love, um, mental and, and physical health and, and growth and um, really just taking time for what matters and putting myself first in that aspect versus just like career and making money, so. Nice, do you Amen. be you, be happy. Right. That's a beautiful way to see the blessing and all that struggle, that chaos. You know what I mean? It's easy to be weighed down by it. You, uh, you, oh, chose, what? To focus on, you chose to focus on yourself. I didn't get that. I didn't reach that level. Of, I didn't realize that until like this year, until post pandemic, like, but during the pandemic, it was very hard. It was just, it's, you know, I'm a people person and I grew up in a, a household with seven people and I'm, I live by myself. So it's like, I'm forced to be, still and forced to be by mm. myself and it's like you know you couldn't even go anywhere because i'm used to like okay i feel like shit or i'm like hurt by this i'm gonna go to the bar or i'm gonna go to i don't know somewhere else in my friend's house you couldn't because it wasn't allowed the pandemic was here so um yeah i didn't realize that until like this year after the pandemic hurt and was just like wow i really grew really felt that emotion I really let it sit with me. I learned what it's teaching me, why I'm hurt by this, why that um, pissed me off. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, I think that that's a blessing that came out of it that I didn't realize until now. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, everyone can take some time to like develop themselves because in the future, just in whatever you do, it's just gonna be so much more helpful. What, what would you say the, um, the easiest improvement uh, that you've learned that people can do to improve their mental health? Um, so I'd say, huh. Um, so like, I, th I would say expressing themselves whenever an emotion hurts them. So, um, you know, for example, if, um, you're, you get your heart broken or something, you're very sad about something, right? Um, uh, the type of person I would be like, I'd go outside, I would go out, I'd be around my friends or I'd be with somebody like, I didn't, I just didn't want to feel sad because I felt like, you know, being sad was like a sign of weakness, 
you know? Um, and I think that, I think a lot of it had to do with being an athlete. Like I'm chosen, I've like trained myself to like mask my emotions. If something hurt me off the court, but on the court it's game time, mm. that shouldn't, shouldn't fool you. But then when you're off the court, that's when it gets to me. So, so I'm so used to like consuming my mind to do something to forget what I'm feeling. So I think what helped me is like sitting still um, and really forcing myself to not go out, to not do those things that would help me feel better in the moment because it's not helping me in the long run. So writing things out like, okay, what really happened? Why did that really hurt me this bad? Like journaling, I like journaled a lot last during the pandemic. Like I would write out like, this hurt me a lot because of what happened in my childhood or what happened when this relationship or, you know, and once you express that and you get it out of your system, you're like, wow, you realize so much more. So I'd say that would be the healthiest thing or like one of the um, tips into improving your mental health is like, if something hurts you, if someone, something pisses you off, um, really ask yourself why versus trying to like, forget it, forget that feeling or just try not to feel that feeling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I feel like it's big in the, in, in our, our Polynesian community as well. We're just like held, we held ourselves to a standard to be perfect, to be that example, to be better than another family and like, you know, perform and um, anything that negative is like all hush hush. You don't want that to get outside of it. You don't want to bring, mm. shame. you don't want to bring shame onto your family. Right. And, and uh, I think yeah, that, that like, that's like that shame you want to be but but it's it's not you're human you know like you have to understand that like you're going to make mistakes and um i i i struggled with that for a while it's like not only am i did i grow up in this culture which isn't a bad thing it's just who we were like it's just a it's it's just a um i don't know if this has i'm, I'm sorry i'm rambling but it, it kind right, of going, we went to um when we went to Samoa and I was learning about my grandma's village by Tongi, um, Forrest don't say anything why they call me Tutu, <laughs> but, um, um, but, you know, we were learning about the history of Vaitongi. And I remember my cousin out there, he was telling us that like the Vaitongi was, um, it's a very, I remember a bell or something, they would, mm -hmm. they would hit it and you had to come back inside the house because they're on curfew. And, and, um, you know, the, that village, from what we were told that they're very like strict, very like following the rules. Um, and my grandma is from there. My grandma is strict. My grandma is a true someone. Grandma, like you, wow. Fatsulu Ale is, she's the head at the, at the church. She is the most respected woman. Like she's intense. Um, and I was wondering like why, you know, but um, from what I was told, there was a fire that that the village like uh, took out the village and from and and the story is it's because god sent the fire because that village was sitting there was all of like the bad stuff going on they were like doing some really bad stuff wiping out the village wiping out the village and then starting fresh and all over right and so um that like different stories like that is what we were told in Samoa and we're like wow like this is a lot of that stuff made sense um because you i look at my grandma and how she is she's very very strict she's very like church school sports if that but church comes first 
Um, and, you know, and we think about it within Polynesian community, like, yes, we want to be successful. We know what we need to do, but we are human. We make mistakes. But if we make mistakes, it's all within the family. Don't tell anybody. Nobody can know. Don't bring shame on the family. Like, and that is why I feel like we had that kind of um, pressure on us to be perfect. Um, and I do think it's a cultural thing. Um, but if you do a lot of like self, that's, that's what I learned about myself and, and I had to figure it out because not only am I half Samoan, um, but I am the oldest and I'm a woman. <laughs> so it's like, there's also, there's all of this stuff that like the pressure on me to be this like role model, but it's like, okay, I'm only human. I can only do so much, you know? So. And that's beautiful, man. I, I, I can't wait to see how you bring that energy towards building the locked in moving forward, man. That's a, that's, that's rare. It's rare to, uh, reach that level of self-awareness, you know, and like the fact that you'll be around younger people who, who are going to need that growing up. That's, uh, that's dope. Yeah. That's super dope. Thank you. The strong stoic quiet type is kind of like the Samoan niche. It's like, uh, what they go for. It's, um, finding like weakness in showing or having emotions is crazy because like you said, we're humans. Like, we're yeah we're yeah. like islanders and like tough as coconuts but also things make us sad things right. make us happy yeah. things make us like Upset. not want to wake up yeah. and like yeah. go get out of bed today sometimes yeah. it's i think just having those conversations is going to make it more a little bit more normal and uh easier for people to accept that like you can cry go ahead you're good <laughs> like feel right. those things process yeah write them down look at them get it get through it don't let it sit manifest and like bottle up until you're angry and punch your walls right exactly let it out yeah don't push me especially as a someone man you're gonna if you want me to bottle up and express myself i might punch you might hurt somebody someone's in the hospital you know so please don't push me to that level like that that's not that's not where i want to be but yeah yeah culturally in our culture they don't teach us to go through things um, and I think that's what we need to teach kids is that if you're going to get past something, you got to go through it first mm. and just put it behind you or not think about it. Like they teach you now, if you don't yeah. go through them, you'll never get past right. them. They teach you to get over it, not get yeah. through it. Bro. Exactly. And that, that was super. That's uh, yeah, man. Get over it or you're a man and you shouldn't cry about things yep. or you shouldn't, yeah. you're, you're, or you're the oldest. You need to be a Roma. You need to be perfect. So. You need to be stronger for everybody. You need to be married at a certain age and yeah. have kids. You need to make sure you need to be at Sunday school every Sunday and um, make sure that you're clean. You look the best. Um, yeah. You know, don't drink alcohol because like, just we have this like just these standards that we had to we're, we met because of, you know, we have that stigma, like you said, our culture. Um, but you know, I mean, I think that's just helpful to just have these conversations, these open conversations with other people and other um, polys to, you know, encourage each other to get out of that comfort zone and like be that example and not be afraid to step out of that um, and, and go from there. What are, uh, what are some ways we as Polynesian men can show up more for uh, Polynesian women and female athletes? Um, I would say to continue to um, do what you're doing as far as like being open to 
reaching out to other women and wanting to uplift them. Um, like I said, I think that there's a lot of, we talked about like competition on the come up um, or outside looking in, like you might not, you might not think, oh, this person will never come on our podcast or, oh, they didn't reply or, or, or they didn't answer their email or something like they don't like us or like they think they're too good. Like that whole, they think they're too good mentality can block so many blessings. Like I can not even like <laughs> stress that enough. It's like the outward opinion, how somebody carries themselves is not mean that they think that they're too good for that. And I can say that because I've gotten that so many times. It's like, I'm confident in who I am, but I'm also a great person. You just didn't even get, give me a chance to get to know me based on how I look or, um, you know, the fact that I'm half someone, I'm not full, you know? Um, and I think that that is something that like you guys can, like men, Polynesian men can do is just continue to reach out to these women and giving them the platform to express themselves and their stories. And then even if it's also on, on close, like on the side of things, it's like, you know, you hear something about someone else, like I, women can do the same thing. It's like, well, do you know that person? Do you, do you really know that person? Or are you going off of what you've heard or what you've seen? Cause you don't really necessarily know that person. And then just like shut that drama down right then and there. Cause I feel like that's what is blocking us from growing as a community is that um, we're making our own, our own opinions off someone based off of success or how they look and um that's what's blocking us from like growing so that was, that was <laughs> that's beautiful yeah. uh okay the last couple of questions predictions for the nba finals okay i mean obviously i'm mad my lakers are out but right. um yeah so upset about that but i want i want chris paul to win um, so I'm going to go for the Suns. Devin Booker has been my favorite guard for a while. Um, like outside of Kobe, um, I've always really loved his game. Um, so that part, um, but also because I know that Chris Paws worked so hard to get here and, um, it's a good chance. So I'm gonna go for them. Nice. What do you, uh, what do you guys think? Suns or Bucks and how many games? Uh, I, I, Suns and four. Five? Five. Five? Mm. It's two and one right now. Okay, so. Mm. Bucks could tie it up tonight. But, I mean, if they tie it up tonight, then it's a whole other series. If the Suns it go is. up 3 1, then it's like just waiting until they get that fourth win. E right. Mm. Who do you think? Man, I just want to see what the Jazz do next here. Ooze. <laughs> He's a transplant Jazz fan. Really? It's no, the only story. reason I'm a jazz fan is because I was living up there in Portland, right? Me and Lance was working up there, and all my family down here is Warriors fans because we moved from the Bay to the Valley, and uh, I just wanted to be different. <laughs> and so, like, so, that's like, pretty no, different. Like, at every family function, like everybody wearing the Warrior gear, I'm like, no, it was, it's jazz. It was, you see the. Thing? I've never actually met a jazz fan, so you uh -huh. are first like actual like I met a jazz fan like we're like oh I'm repping the jazz I've never even heard that so no, wow. it's, the, it's the longest running gag in my life right now but it's like <laughs> I was well, I started repping them when they were doing super bad right like downtown was all working and then like they started doing better and everybody's like hey you right did you check the jazz and I was like did they play now? today that bro been a fan <laughs> you know what I mean like 
I was like, uh, I was like, I got, I got to keep this going. You know what I mean? Shoot. Sons, sons and five. Um, Raina, in closing, is there, uh, is there anything we missed? Is there any uh, questions you have for us? Anything else uh, that you have? No, I think I talked so much, way too much. Probably my bad. <laughs> um, oh, good. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was great. I think that. Thank you for for interviewing me. Thank you for letting me um, talk about like my personal life and being open and having an honest, transparent conversation about, um, you know, struggles about um, growing through a career and then also about a Polynesian or Polynesian community. Um, you know, I think that's definitely, um, you know, something that I feel so passionate about um, is, you know, making a difference in our world but mostly like just within our culture as well um see so many talented people out there that are polynesian and i i just want us all to win so there you go reina ala thank you very much for coming on spending time with us and uh, blessing us with your experience and knowledge we appreciate you god bless love and light to you thank you guys thank you for rocking with the wave thanks guys appreciate it you know i'm proud Today's show, as always, sponsored by LivasaIslandApparel.com. For gear that represents the South Pacific Island languages and cultures accurately and responsibly. Put on for the culture. Catch the wave at LivasaIslandApparel.com.